0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome to episode 113. Before we get going, uh, two parts uh, to this episode. Number one is my usual review of the news from this past week, a preview of this weekend's Liga B-Win Week 29 schedule, Uh, my second division report, uh, not to mention as well as my upcoming uh, predictions as well. And then my second half of this episode, I'm glad to have on. I haven't had him on for over a year, hard to believe very good friend of mine. I talk to him a lot. Uh, When I think of Benfica, he's always the first thing that comes to my mind in terms of talking about an expert, and that is, of course, Cristiano Oliveira, and he'll be on, and we're going to be talking not just about Benfica, but other things throughout the league as well, as uh, look to bring uh, Chris on and uh, try to get his perspective on uh, the things in the world, including the news about their uh, new uh, manager. So here we go, coming up, episode 113. Bom dia, bom Welcome to another episode of the portuguesesoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 113, I hope you're all doing well, and looking forward to another 40 to 45 minutes here of talking about our favorite thing and that is, of course, our football, our soccer. And let me start off first reviewing uh, the past week. Uh, congratulations to Braga. Really a nice win at home, beating Glasgow Rangers 1-0. But they could have really used more goals. Now they'll go to Ibrox next week in uh, Scotland. And we'll look to defend that one nothing uh, lead. That pretty much forces the Rangers to score uh, two goals. Um, but I think Abel Ruiz and Carlos Carveyal Pretty much said it the best, that uh, good result, but it could have been a little bit more. So there's still, uh, the tie is wide open, but certainly uh, going away with a goal advantage is is certainly, of course, a very positive uh, development. So uh, very good result for Braga, and I think the hopes are still alive that they have a chance to advance to the semifinals, which would be the second time that Braga as a club would have made it uh, to the uh, semifinals uh in the, you know in terms of a european uh, competition uh now of course uh benfica a tough three to one loss uh to liverpool i mean look let's be honest i think we all knew that it was going to be a very tough match um there was some statistics i read from squaka about how uh basically every time klopp and liverpool have come to portugal they've scored at least four goals Well, they didn't this time and benfica did score but the 3-1, to one, uh, it, it, you know, it's a very tough thing to overcome. And, you know, when people talk about great European nights, they talk about major comebacks. And statistically, yes, there's still an opportunity to go there and to try to, um, you know, get the win in uh, Liverpool. Uh, but it's going to be a tough battle, and, and certainly they're going to try, and Vadis is going to say all the right things next week, uh, you know, in the future about this match. But it's a very tough one. And it was a very tough uh, week as well for Benfica losing 3-2. to two to Braga last week, and that pretty much kind of condemns them to third place, which means they're gonna be playing for the another summer where they're gonna to have to do the Champions League playoffs. Of course, we know what happened two years ago when they lost to Pac, and they went straight to the Europa League, and they were eliminated from the Champions League, and of course, last year, they did make it to the groups, uh, had to beat, uh, hard to believe, it feels like such a long time ago, by the way, last August, but they beat Spartak Moscow, and Rui Vitoria, and then they also beat, uh, I believe it was PSV, with this current manager, Schmidt, who is uh, being linked with uh, Benfica. So uh, not a very good week uh, for Benfica in terms of uh, wins, uh, but they've been, they're have been in the news, as they always do, for a lot of uh, different uh, things. And, um, of course, last week, we had a very good week uh, last week, uh, in my opinion. Um, a, a very good week of football with some very interesting results. We saw b which, as you know, has just been struggling last place. They did win at home against Purti 2-0. Uh Munic has not won uh, a Liga match for the three points in the last 14. Um, they are still in the middle of the pack, but uh, it's getting awfully close to the bottom. You know, that's how close they are, so they've got some issues. But a big win by b who move up to 17th place. Uh, still a lot of work to do to get out of the bottom two, but um, that was a very big win uh, for uh, B. Sad. And, of course, uh, we also saw uh, a very good result last week for Tundela, who's in 16th place. Uh, a 3-1 to win in Nuno Kambush's uh, managerial debut as the manager of Tundela. Obviously, he was at Santa Clara earlier this year, but as the new manager of Tundela. Going to Meritimu in Mededa and recording a very impressive 3-1 to win. Tiago Tantos with a very good goal, the third one to clinch on the win. Uh, Tundela, as a result, sits in 16th place, which if the season were to end today, they would be in the playoff with the third-place team from the second division. But right now they sit in 16th place, and they have a four-point lead with 25 points over Bisad, who has 21. So last week's win was very good, and they'll get ready to host uh, Sporting uh, this uh, weekend. We saw Vizela. With a very good result, beating Estoril two to one. Uh, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know I told you about Maritimu losing to Dundela. Muritiu hasn't won at home, by the way, in their last six home matches. They have uh, really struggled. We saw Boavista, the team with fifteen draws, in the Liga go to Familia Kong, Familia Kong has really been playing pretty good over the past month but Boa Vista get the uh, three points instead of the draw and uh, I had them as one of my predictions last week I got that wrong but Boa Vista with the uh, big uh, three points they now sit in 11th place with 30 points still too close to the bottom when you take it to account Tundela has 25 points but uh, certainly a very good result last week and then of course we saw uh, Braga beat Benfica A very, um, you know, result that no doubt helped Braga going into, you know, the match against Glasgow Rangers. You know, basically, Braga, you know, and I always say fourth place Braga because they're always in fourth place. They try to break two to the top three. They almost, you know, they did a few years ago when they finished third, but they're fourth place Braga. But last week, they deserve a lot of credit. They beat Benfica at home three to two. And then they beat at home Glasgow Rangers one uh, to nil in the first leg. So it was a very good week for Braga. And this is the Braga that the president Salvador thinks they could be year round. They have a pretty nice fan base, the fourth biggest. Uh, excuse me, the fifth biggest in Portugal. Uh, the big three and Gimnasia are in the uh, top four. Gimnasia is way ahead of Braga and as the fourth biggest club. Uh, but a um, you know a very uh, very good uh, result and. Uh, for Braga this uh, past week. And uh, now, of course, they come home. Um, this uh, Of course, they'll be uh, in action uh, this weekend and uh, they'll be getting ready to go and make the uh, short trip to the uh, uh, Zela. Uh, but uh, last week, Braga had a very, very good week. And when we look toward Liga week 29, um, well, first off, it's really about who's gonna win the Liga title. Six matches left. Porto playing for 18 points. But they really need 13 points to win the title because, first off, even though they have a six-point lead, don't forget, Sporting does have the tiebreaker head-to-head with more away goals. So uh, they can't necessarily finish in a tie because that will go to a Sporting. So uh, if you take the analogy that they use in the American sport of baseball when they talk about how many games you need to win to clinch a playoff spot, and we put this into football and soccer... Basically, Porto needs 13 points uh, to win the title. And uh, Sporting, of course, that's what they're trying uh, to avoid. But uh, And by the way, I have to tell you, I was looking at the last six matches uh, for these uh, two teams because uh, it's really tough. So... Porto plays Guimarães this weekend, then they play Porto e Muniz at home and I already told you Porto e Muniz has a one in the last 14. Then they got to go to Braga and that's going to be tough. We know that's going to be tough. Then they've got Vizela at home. Then they still got to go to Benfica. No matter what's up for grabs in that game, that's always a very tough match and then they go at this play at home against Estoril which has been a uh, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad team uh, this season. Uh, sporting has goes away this weekend at Tundela. Then they got Benfica at home. So we got an Easter Sunday uh, derby, by the way. So that'll be nice uh, for Easter if you're with the family and you get to watch uh, the derby. Then they got Boavista away. And Boavista, as you know, has been tough 15 draws. They just had this big win last week. Then they still got to go, uh, Sporting still has to go to Gil Vicente. And although Gil Vicente has kind of cooled off a little bit, Uh, Still very tough, and then they got they got to go away to Portimonense, and then they got Santa Clara at home, which has already uh, beaten a few of the big three uh, this uh, season. So when I compare Porto and Sporting, I think Porto has the easier schedule down the stretch, and again they only need 13 points. Uh, to win uh, the uh, title and um, when we look at this week you know, definitely the best match this weekend is uh, Vitoria Guimarães against Porto Porto of course hasn't lost and they're unbeaten at home in their last uh, 56 matches in Liga dating back to October 2020 uh, Porto has won four times in the last five years at Guimarães and the fact that they got this uh, momentum uh, with the fact that they know that they are in first place and they can't mess around um, you know, when you think about Guimarães, which is always tough playing Porto, I think, in my opinion, this is the uh, big match this weekend. You've got Benfica at home to b side uh, of course, the last time these two teams played in the Jura uh, the notorious match where a number of uh, Bill and Inter's South players I think came down with the Omnicron and uh, COVID, and uh, they, uh, you know, I think they started with I think it was nine or ten players, and before they uh, at the beginning of the second half they were down to like six or seven, and the notoriety that went around the world, and Darwin got the hat trick that night. A uh, very ugly night. They never replayed the match, but uh, they're playing again this weekend. This time in the Luge. And obviously there's no issues with these teams. So we know this weekend we're not going to have any of those problems that, that they uh, just had. Uh, B-Side has never won a Liga ro- away match this season in the Liga. And I don't think that's going to happen uh, this weekend. Um, good match with Vizela hosting Braga. Braga lost, was eliminated by Vizela at Vizela in the taça de Portugal. So that's a match to be very careful for uh, Braga. Santa Clara Estoril at home in the Azores. Santa Clara hasn't lost at home in five months. Remember, that includes uh, some wins with, like, Sporting and Porto. So, Santa Clara has been a middle-of-the-pack team you know, remember they started playing European football way back. I think it was at the end of July. It's been a long season, and that's very impressive that they've gone, you know, something like five months at home without losing a match. Probably just a you know a bunch of uh, draws. We got Sporting going to Tundela. Tundela definitely a moralized team after the big win last week at uh, Meritimu with uh, new manager Nuno Campos. Sporting, of course, cannot drop any points. They are forbidden from uh, doing that. Sporting has the best defense in the Liga. With uh, 17 goals uh, Excuse me uh, Allowing only 17 goals They allowed only 20 last season And there's still 6 matches left I I think they will wind up Allowing more than uh, 20 So they won't beat last season's total But right now so far They've only allowed uh, 17 matches And they're going to be going uh, to to Tundela Which has one of the worst defenses in the league So it's an opportunity there For uh, sporting So again Best match this weekend No doubt is uh, of course Guimarães hosting uh, Porto. Uh, everything kicks off on Friday with Gil Vicente at home to last place, Moreirense. Dance. Uh, Ricardo Sapinto last week uh, lost the Guimarães Derby, but uh, he showed his face to the fans. Or a lot of fans that were very angry with him. There was some footage on the Internet if you didn't see it. and uh, But hey, give him credit for uh, not backing down and showing his face to the fans. But Moreirense right now in last place. And uh, the Ricardo, you know, the way things have worked out with like Cesar Peixoto at Passos de Ferreira, and the way things have worked out, although maybe not lately, but overall with Vasco Siabre de Meritimu, the new manager coming in, that, that quite hasn't happened. Uh, with uh, with uh, you know Ricardo Sarpita. I think he's only won like two matches, lost eight. So uh, that hasn't been a very good thing. So Gil sent on Friday night, just about the time this is going to be put out, this episode, we'll be hosting more Dance. And then Saturday, you've got four matches. Passos de Freira, maritimo Boa Vista Roca, of course Benfica, bissar and then you got Tundela Sporting. So two of the big three play on Saturday. Uh, and then uh you've got Portimonense Familia Kong, Santa Clara Estoril Guimarães Porto and Vizela Braga playing on Sunday. So, one match Friday, four Saturday, and uh four on uh, Sunday regarding Liga B win and six matches left in the season. Uh there's obviously a race to uh, avoid relegation. You've got uh the top two teams Sporting and Porto playing for the title. I think Benfica's pretty much set for the you know going into the playoffs next August. Braga is pretty much set uh, to go to the Europa groups, Uh, although I should be said that if you win Europa, and Braga is still alive, they would automatically go to the Champions League next year. I believe that's still the case. So uh, there's some more motivation if you're a uh, Braga fan. Um, Second division uh, report, and uh, we got a lot to talk about here. First off, the one team that I want to talk about right away is Varzim. Uh, Varzim uh, basically, they're in uh, 17th place, so they're still in the relegation zone. But they have been really good the last six matches. They've got uh, three draws, both all three were nil uh, zero zero, and they've also have three wins. So they have three wins and three draws in their last six. They've only won lost one of their last nine, and they were really deep into the bottom. And now they're making a case, and you know one more win, and they would pretty much jump to like 14th place. Uh, when you look at it, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, Trofense with 28 points, Academico Bissell 27, and you've got Cuvilla in 16th place with 26. So very tight there. A win could take them out of the uh, basement, take them out of the uh, cellar. Uh, but I really wanted to start off and really compliment them because they have been playing uh, very well. Académica is still in last place with 15 points. They look like they're heading to the third division. And again, a shame that a big club like that is uh, going down. Uh, Riwav. Uh, has won six in a row, so they're making their case to return after an absence this past season from the first division. They're looking to get back up there uh, next uh, season. Uh, but Riyawab and Kazepiha, in first with 57, Kazapia and second with uh, 56. They have now a five-point lead over Shavs in third, so they are slowly pulling away. But I know Shavs has been playing some really great football lately, so I don't think they're going to go away anytime uh, soon. Uh, and, of course, Shab's, uh, you know, again, has really been, I think they went been right up there with Varzim, one of the uh, better clubs uh, these uh, past uh, two months. Uh, best match this weekend is, uh, no doubt, uh, is uh, going to be Kazepi and Fedence from Algarve. Fedence is another club that's been playing really well. Uh, basically, in their last five, they they've got four wins and a draw. They're in 10th place. They were in 17th place at one point, down there at the bottom with uh, Varzim and uh, Academica. And uh, they got a new manager, and uh, there's an example. When we talk about manager effect, it has worked with uh, Feydance. And uh, right now, they're looking pretty good to stay in the uh, second division. Of course, they were relegated last year from the first division. But really got to give a shout-out to uh, Feydance from the Algarve. They've been uh, doing uh, pretty, pretty good. Um, And again, the best match of this weekend is no doubt, in my opinion, of all of them, Gazepilla. Currently in second place, taking on uh, Fade Ince from El Garb. Everything that's going on Friday night, Benefial against uh, Varzim. Uh, you got four matches on Saturday, including Befica B, Ashtrila, Amadura. Uh, You got Mafra hosting Shabz. That's a very good match. Can Shabz keep up with the top two being in third place? Do they have it? Well, they're going to have to show it this weekend. And then we got four matches on uh, Sunday with uh, Kaviyya Academica, two teams at the bottom. Uh, Covia really needs the points to try to uh, avoid it. They got Lionel Puntz as their manager, if you might remember him. He was manager of sporting a few years ago, and they're really trying to do everything they can to get out. And then you also have a, kind of a bit of a northern battle up there with uh, FC Porto B, which has been struggling too. They're in 13th place, but uh, they keep, they've keep they been falling, and they'll be planking on fade-ins from the fade Um And again, so pretty much like the first division, one match on Friday, four on Saturday and uh, four on uh, Sunday. Uh, my picks, another two and two week for me. You know, like I always say Braga, fourth place Braga, fourth place Braga. Well, I should always say two, two, you know, two, get two correct, get two incorrect every week, John. I think that's the best way to do it. But last week I was two for two. I got Sporting beating pasus correct. Uh, I got that right. I had Familia Kong and Boavista. I predicted Boavista would record their 16th Liga draw. Well, that didn't happen. Boavista won. Um, I said that Bissad and Portimonenc withdraw, but we saw the very surprising win uh, by Bissad. And I did get correct. Um, in from the Algarve defeating Covilla. so I got that right. So right now I'm uh, 66 correct, 48 incorrect. That gives me a percentage correct of 48. Uh, excuse me, 58 percent. I at one point was up to 60, and I went back down to 58. So, um, and this week I am going to predict. Um, well I'm going to get very interesting with my picks Uh, I think about a month ago I predicted that the top two would draw and it happened Um, got a lot of DMs about being correct on that and I'm actually going to predict this weekend that Porto and Sporting are going to draw I'm going to predict that Guimanez and Porto will draw that will still keep Porto's unbeaten streak alive but obviously they're going to be dropping uh, points But I'm also going to predict that uh, Sporting will go to Tundela and draw, Um, even though Sporting has the best defense, Tundela has the worst offense. This is perfect uh, for Sporting. I just think last week Tundela looked like a different team in Meritimu. So I'm going to predict Tundela and Sporting will draw. I'm going to predict Benfica will beat B-side. And then, as always, when I include a second division team, I'm going to predict that Vila Frokins will defeat Academico the Viseo the portuguese soccer.com podcast and i'm very glad to have on a good friend uh, i can't believe i haven't had him on in 13 months i don't know chris do you remember the last time that you were on
1: yeah i remember i remember. was what was it it was in march sometime yeah it was march it was march i remember it was march sometime damn it's been a long time. 2021, ladies and gentlemen, not March of 2022. Uh, because March 2022 is just a couple weeks ago or a week ago. But yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time, John. And uh, thank you for having me back on. You've done a okay. tremendous job here on your beautiful Portuguese soccer. I can't say it with so much pizzazz as you do. Um, But yeah, Soccer.com podcast. Much success. And uh Thank you. To be back.
0: Yeah, no, I'm glad to have you back. Uh, I've been doing a lot of, uh, because, you know, now that we're all back to work and it hasn't been as easy to make arrangements, but uh, it's a lot easier. But now I'm I'm glad every once in a while to have a guest on. So I'm really appreciative to have you back. And um, we're going to talk about various things, but obviously we're going to talk about your first love. And uh, I paid you a compliment to say, you know, there are a lot of people that I think about when I think about Benfica, like Alfredo. But when I think about Benfica, you're the first person that comes to mind and, Whenever Benfica has a good result, I know you're in a great that's, mood.
1: That's not you know, mean. First, but you think about you know, it, like Benfica lifting trophies or something. Not me. I mean, if I'm the first thing you think about when you think about Benfica, Benfica that's a compliment. I appreciate it. But Benfica's in trouble. I mean, you got there's so many other things you can look forward to or or, or you know think of. But yo, thank you. I appreciate it. I Appreciate that. yeah. So- let, let the guys over at uh, Benfica know. Let Ricosta know that I'm the first thing you guys think about. Maybe uh, they'll hire me. I don't know. If,
0: I, first of all, I can't imagine that Rui Costa knows what the hell this is all about here with PortugueseSoccer.com, and if he did, just hearing the word soccer is probably going to make him not. Well, he'll
1: definitely know it. after this. After this, if he didn't, if he doesn't know after last March, right? No, after this time.
0: Yeah. yeah was he? By the way, was he? He became the president after. Yes. The last time I had you, when when did he come on? Was it June?
1: Was it during uh, the summer? Yeah, the, the elections were in June. So I believe it was June. Yeah, June sometime. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Just to get whatever it was, it was June, July. It was right, right around that time, Frank.
0: Right when they had oh, the whole the scandal. Yeah, yeah. They had the scandal. Well, that let was me just... the latest scandal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Back then, definitely. Yes, um, yes. Let me do this, Chris. Let me start off. First off, here we are in April. We are a few months away from the beginning of the summer, and when many of us will be able to, you know hopefully go back to Portugal and enjoy it. Um, do you Have you heard of any rumors? Is Benfica making any uh, trips outside of Portugal this summer? Let's go. Come on. You know, you are, like I said, the, when I pay you a compliment saying you're the first person I think of, I know you because you know the players. A lot of people don't know this. I, you know, you obviously,
1: have, from a few years ago when you worked, um, do we have Do we have any rumors? Have we heard any rumors I, about this summer? I've heard rumblings, but nothing that I can confirm. So I'd be doing, you know, this beautiful podcast of this service to announce something without uh, having any confirmation behind. It. But, you know, rest assured that uh, if I do find something out, if I do hear it before everyone else does, you'll be one of the first uh, to find out. And we'll break it on the PortugueseSoccer.com.
0: Oh, good. All right. So we won't have to wait a year then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no. A few months, a couple months at, at worst.
0: Yeah, I actually do, you know, by the way, are they doing that international thing again this summer? Is that like happening?
1: That's that's part of it. I heard that they're they're trying to 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 get it together. But there's obviously pushback because of the World Cup coming up. And obviously, these are uncharted waters, you know, Um, not to. Yeah, there hasn't been a World Cup in the winter in a long, long time, uh, if ever. I uh, haven't done my research on that. Uh, so no, I
0: definitely uh, never been a World Cup during the winter.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, the players are, you know, in the FAs and stuff like that, giving a little bit of pushback because at some point these guys do need to rest a uh, couple weeks at worst, you know, at best, I should say, not at worst, but uh, a couple of weeks for them. And so I, I, there's still a lot of uncertainty up in the air. So when, when these things do finalize, uh, get finalized, I should say, um, you know, pretty sure we'll find out and we'll announce
0: yeah and by the way a lot of people in case you don't know there's going to be four national team matches a lot of the countries are going to be playing in june because the uefa nations league pretty much are playing four of the six matches in so it's almost like a mini tournament because you know the last few times portugal's have been in tournament we've only played four matches so we're going to be playing four matches this june with uh, i don't know if you know between switzerland czech republic and spain so uh, that might also make the uh, calendar. So, yeah, I was just curious because uh, obviously we both know of the gentleman that runs the company, Charlie Slatano, and I hadn't heard anything. And I was, uh, you know, very curious if they were going to do anything. But, uh, Chris, let's get started. Um, there is room, you know, nothing has been confirmed yet, but FICA has denied. Um, when we're doing this podcast on the day we're doing it, they came out and they said that, uh, no, there is no, they don't have an agreement with any manager whatsoever. There's been reports in uh, Germany that say that uh, Schmidt is going to be the manager. Uh, I think Record says it's a two-year deal. Ebola says it's a three-year deal. Uh, first off, I mean,
1: um, what, what do you think of this guy? What do you, uh, you know, I mean, are you excited? Um, is this the solution? I don't know if it's the solution, but I'm definitely excited. Um, this is a player's manager, a player that plays attacking football. You know, if you, he's the type of coach that he believes he gives up three, he'll want to score four. And so, I mean, obviously, um, that's the type of coach you want. You don't, you're, I'm sick and tired of, of, of these wusses, wussies or whatever we want to call them. At Benfica, afraid to, to open up, afraid to go forward, you know, hunker down in the back. And it's just ugly football. We get to see that on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, I should say, with the Portuguese national team. And it just puts me to sleep. So I'm excited to if, if indeed these rumors are true. And um, I was told by someone, a uh, very knowledgeable uh, reporter, someone that knows the ins and outs of German football, uh, he's covered German football for a few years now. Uh, he's just very well respected in the Bundesliga, and he told me that it's a done deal. And this was about two weeks ago. Um, he really, uh, was it two one a, at least a week. I don't know if it was two, but it was definitely a week, week and a half, something like that. And he said that uh, he's hearing that it's done. It's confirmed. Um, it's just a matter of time before the announcement, will, you know, would be be made public. And so I'm excited. German coach, attractive football. I understand. There's, you know. Um, some negativities, everybody in, in, in the Portuguese media and and alike are going to um, look through this with a fine comb and try to come up with all the flaws and the negativities and mention that he hasn't won any major titles, he hasn't, you know, uh, he's in second place in, 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 in the Netherlands right now. And so what type of coach are we really getting this? And, I, and, the, and the one thing, I said on Benfica podcast this week. And the one thing that Benfica is, all you Benficistas right now that are listening, um, you know, if if you want some, you know, a little bit of advice, right? (sighs) The Benfica of old, that Benfica that we grew up on, the older guys like myself, that we grew up on that was a destination job, that coaches were lining up to get an opportunity to coach Benfica. That Benfica is long gone. That's not today's Benfica. I agree. You know, and people have to understand that these top, top, top managers are not coming. Forget, look, first of all, it's not even a Benfica thing. It's a Portugal thing, first of all. Yeah. Okay. They're not going to want to come play in the quote-unquote sixth league, best league in the world, and the coefficient, and play in stadiums that, you know, you go to Tondela. No know to them, love Tondela, but what do they sit, 3,500? You know what I mean? Go to stadiums that, you know, got less than 10,000 seats, when when these top top managers have one opportunity to prove their worth they're not going to want to take the risk and it could be a very good risk if it works out and they do well at benfica oh my god those guys go from you know the, the, a good team to the very best teams in europe and as you've seen with players coming out of benfica um but those guys are not lining up man and so benfica is going to have to take a gamble on Someone who they believe that can develop their players, who can believe that can play attractive football. Because here's the one thing Benfica is another one of those clubs. Real Madrid, Real Madrid is is very much like this. To the fans, it's not winning is not good enough, John. You know what I mean? You have to win with style, you have to win and, and put on a performance. And Benfica used to be that type of job. I understand 2004, after you know, dry spell there of 11 years. And Trapatoni came in. You just, hey, a win's a win. At that time, you didn't care, right? And and now we're going on, what, this will be season number three without a title. Um, And so maybe some people will be desperate enough to to want a coach to win at all cost, uh, regardless of, of, you know, if it's pretty or not. Because a pretty win, you know, it, it's worth as much as a beautiful win, right? At the end of the day, it's three points. But this is the type of coach I believe will get everybody on their feet, watching attractive football, developing young players, hopefully, and you're gonna have to give them a chance um, because, as I said before, regardless who the coach is, the manager, who, who, whatever word you want to use, regardless of who the next guy is come July that replaces uh, Verissimo, I'm pretty sure that we can sit there and criticize and and look at and you know and, and be you know displeased about certain things. So. Um, credit to recourse I guess for for going out of his way getting this coach yes I understand Benfica did eliminate them john in, in last seasons yeah uh, I think it was
0: last uh, years, August yeah
1: August, yeah in August in the in the Champions League playoff um but it is what it is we're here uh Benfica has had a disastrous season and hopefully this is the coach that sets things straight and uh, you know gets Benfica back to the level that we all want him to be at
0: yeah yeah it's just uh you know, the only thing I wonder is, was the timing of the news having come out this week and, you know, Benfica played uh, Braga, that didn't work out well, and now they lost to Liverpool. Verissimo probably thought he had a chance at the job after getting past Ajax. You think maybe news like that might have messed with him? Or You know, he says he knew what was going on, but he's a human being. He's got to f- believe that he had a shot at the job. You think that might have played a factor in some of the bad news this
1: past week with the two losses? I I absolutely don't think. <laughs> if he thought that he had a realistic job of coming back as as the manager next season, uh, he needs to share some of whatever he's smoking with. And mean, I don't even smoke. I never smoked in my life. But if it's doing him that good, I figure I might try it myself. Um, look, at the end of the day, this guy should have... Never been appointed for the rest of the season. He should have been one of those interim managers, okay? Uh, take over for for a week or two until we until we decide who we bring back in. We talking about I put myself, you know, speaking in in terms of management, right? Um, until we decide who the next guy is. And again, you know, one thing about a big club like Benfica, they should always have these things in the back of their mind, right? JJ did not have a good season last year. Start of this season, okay, then when it was, again was rocky. Why was Benfica sleeping at the wheel? You cannot tell me that Ricosta and company realistically thought that this was the manager that was going to salvage the season. It just makes no sense. He flopped when he was there the last time when he took over for 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 uh, Bruno Lai, Elijah, yeah. right? I understand he did okay with the B team, but as I said on the Benfica podcast, B team is the B team, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That's that's totally different competition. There are levels to this. I thought that was a horrendous job by Rui Costa at the time. And if you want to check the tape, check out Benfica podcast. It's a lot easier to come out here today in public and say, "Oh, after the guys falter and you know, and pound your chest." And I told you, no, no, no. I got tape I got I got receipts. Go check it out. I was not a happy camper. Yeah, I, I don't... Benfica and I thought Ricosta gave up on the season. At the time, Benfica were four points behind first place. I know we had a important no, I think we lost, right? Benfica lost. I think it was seven. Um I think uh I think it, it might have been six. I think it was six. No, no, no. That no, was definitely four. I just don't remember now. Was it a Tassa? Yeah, I think the first time they played Porto, it was
0: for the Tasa okay. Then the second time it was for so the then they
1: were still, So then I'm correct. So then they were still four points behind first place. Going into that second game, remember they played two games in a week. Going into yeah. that second game for the Campeonato, which I get it, but if you can barely ever wins I mean, what, three or four times in, in the last 20, 15, 20 years at the Dragon, they're probably most likely going to lose that game. And especially after, you know, exchanging coaches, I get it. So at the very least you're looking at seven points difference you're still in the Tasa of the of you're still alive in the in, in the <laughs> champions league right um and yet yeah, he just i thought i thought he just conceded i thought i thought benfica conceded i thought they they give up on the season and it's something i'm not happy about um, you know, in, in terms of what Regostra's done this season. And so Nelson Verissimo, I, I, I never thought he was a realistic option to, to, to be the manager going into next season. As far as to answer your question directly about the rumors, well, look, Benfica can control that. I mean, there's nothing's been put out or official by the club. So I, it, it, I could totally understand your question if it was, yo, Benfica put out, you know, on Monday with the game coming in Tuesday, you know, at the start of the lose against the big old, you know, Liverpool How does Benfica undermine the coach by putting? But this wasn't Benfica. This is again nothing is confirmed. This is still rumors. So (laughs) rumors, you can't control that. Rumors are exactly that—they're rumors until they're confirmed. Everything is rumors, even though I was told by a good source that it is official.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I also think sometimes when you're a club like Benfica, Porto, and uh, Sporting, and you're talking to agents about their players or about their managers. You know that some way, somehow, those agents are going to leak that info because it's in their best interest to let people know that their client has interest from this big club. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why I asked because uh, I think, you know, Rui Kushten knew that if he was going to talk to this guy, he knew it was going to get out. And so that's kind of why I asked uh, the questions. Now, let me ask you something um, because I do remember you were not very happy about this. And I even said it myself here on the uh, podcast that, you know, I thought for me, I was surprised. I mean, I don't know who else was available out there, you know, on short notice to replace. Um, I, I don't know. But I, I just thought, you know, since he flopped the first time, you know, he lost, I think it was, I think in he was manager for like five matches. One of them was at the Portugal final that they lost to Porto.
1: And 70 minutes up a man.
0: Yeah. there was just nothing about it that about his first tenure, that was, you know, very successful. That gave you any confidence. And then to bring him back a second time, kind of like I agree with you, it kind of just shows that maybe you're not, you know, you you might have just, you know, thrown in the towel. But uh, I, I, by the way, I, I, let me ask you a question. I mean, should JJ have stayed? Should he have stayed, you know, and started the year as manager?
1: Wait, stayed and started? You mean coming into this? Like it, it, should
0: they have kept him?
1: This season? Yeah, like, no, 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 I'm
0: talking about back in December. Should JJ have stayed as manager and Rui Costa not, you know? Apparently he left because the players weren't supporting him anymore. Should Rui Costa have stayed there and said, look, he's our manager. You guys are the players. Let's get going. We're only four or five points behind. You are need to stay. In other words, looking back at the decision that was made when JJ left, does that turn out to be a bad decision that has resulted in the position that they are in right now?
1: Here's how I feel about that. Here's how I feel about that. I I, look, things were definitely going south with JJ at the helm, right? I understand that at some point a move was going to have to happen, right? What I disagree with a thousand percent was how it went about, how it came down. I mean, I should say how it all went down. Um, when the players apparently revolted and you know said. You know, they're upset of PZ's treatment, and they turn around and said, I'm not practicing. I thought Rui Costa could have shown a sign of authority and a shot. You know, come in there, told all the players, look, it is what it is. This is my coach. You're going to play football. You can't concede to the inmates. And I thought that's what they did. You can't have the players running the club. And so I thought at the very worst, John, and I said this many times, you tell the players, yo, this is my coach. We're going to play and do what he tells us to do. If you're unhappy, let me know. January transfer window is around the corner, and we'll find a place for you to go. Handle it that way, and then a week and a half, two weeks later, turn around and say, look, we came to a mutual agreement that it's best we go our separate ways. Because then you put it on you. It was just personal decision. Things weren't working. You can't put it out there that the players... We're dictating what's going on at a club, and especially at a club like Benfica. I thought that was a bad job on his part.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think so. I just um,
1: it sends the wrong image, sends the wrong signal. Yeah, I know PZ has denied,
0: and Rafa is not happy as well being linked to you know rumors that they help you know
1: kind of get him out of there. Yeah, but Rafa's defense, I'm sorry, John, not the Rafa's defense. Rafa was that first half of the season was his best football. He's been atrocious since JJ left. Yeah, so I mean. And it's kind of like, you know, these guys coming out and there's rumors, and I've heard a lot of dumb stuff, both, you know, credible and stuff that doesn't even make any sense. Why I don't even know why some people would even speak it or, you know, utter it out of their mouths. But Rafa, if he was that discontent, he wouldn't have been playing to the level that he was. It shows me that Rafa's unhappy that things have been shit because he's been shit ever since. She was, she was a French excuse. Was- yeah. English or <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been not very good he just hasn't been good in and, 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 and like the, bringing the keynote talking about Rafa when he scored that goal a couple weeks ago when when he dribbled the whole team and and, and, and he converted a phenomenal goal on his on his part I'm accustomed to Rafa doing all that and then getting to the box and shooting it over passing it to the corner flag or whatever so this time he got the, the finishing right credit to him but his lame excuse that he didn't celebrate he didn't smile because he's upset that he's not getting called up to the national team. Bro, he's had that that pout on his face since since December. Since late December. So it's just I thought it was a lame excuse. He's probably unhappy his boyfriend his, his boy left, I should say. I'm sorry. I didn't, um he's probably upset that his that his buddy left the club and and you know, but at the same time, this is this is big boy soccer. It's professional. Yeah. Big boy soccer and players come and go. No player is bigger than a club.
0: Yeah, I think. uh, So let me ask you a question. Um, Schmidt picks up the phone and calls you. Says, Cristiano, the the new manager, Roger Schmidt, calls you and says, Chris, Mm -hmm. tell me three things I need to do to get this team ready to compete in the Liga, to compete again, go back to the quarterfinals in the Champions League, and uh, maybe win the TASA de Servizio. What's the
1: three moves that you make? Three moves or three things? I'd oh, say three things, whatever. Just, you know. Okay. The, most importantly, you need to <laughs> pretty much, uh, with the exception of five, four or five, I don't even, I mean, I'd have to go down the list, but you need a whole new squad. Benfica, if you look at this roster, I know there's names to it the João Martins of the world and Everton's and Yaram Chukwu. I thought it'd be a lot better. Um, you know, Vigel, Meite, all these other guys. And some of them have been good, but for the most part, the majority of them have been totally disappointments. Yeah, they haven't panned out. Total disappointments. They're not, at least today, they're not Benfica worthy players, right? They're not Benfica level. And I remember um as a young kid, Sepa, come, comes all up as a or you know, and it seems like that. That is Jusencia, right? That demand that Benfica all once had, like it, it was always excellence, right? That's what everybody from the fans, from the front office, they demanded excellence at all times. That's if now they've just settled, right, with getting mediocre players, um, and and you know players that that shouldn't be at Benfica. They're not starting caliber players at Benfica. So that'd be the first thing i tell him, to just revamp his whole roster, bro. You need to go out and from goalkeeper to, to straight, you need to look at everybody um, and see what you can work with, what players fit your system, because he plays a, a very fast-paced game, high press. What players can play in his system? So that's going to be crucial. Even without getting rid of the whole roster, I think he's going to need to bring in five, six players at worst at worst, we need five, six players to fit into what he wants to do, new players, his style of players. Um, The other thing I think he needs to win over the fans, right? If he wants to be successful at Benfica, unfortunately, um, you know, one of the things he has to do, he has to play youngsters, he has to implement the youth, he has to show that he's able to develop these guys, and most important, he's going to give these guys minutes on the first team, and I think That'll be, you know, the quickest way, aside from just putting up ridiculous results one after another, playing the youngsters, giving the youngsters an opportunity. I think the fan base uh, will jump on his side and be supportive, and then obviously the support will be there in the stands, and you know, that will lift the team um, when times get tough. And then the third thing, I mean, just look, beat your rivals, right? Win those games. And I know in years past, um, when you know all three teams were good at at the same mostly, you know, they're always like two teams are good at once, and another team's faltering, just like now and stuff with Benfica. But for the most part, we'd say, I know I've said it many times, like I'll I'll lose both games to Porto. I don't care about those two games. I'll win the rest of the games in the league because that'll be good enough to win the league, right? As long as I win the league at the end of the day, it's all that matters. But due to Benfica's track record here over the last two seasons of not beating our main rivals, our record against those guys is atrocious. You need to win these games. You need to go to uh, Dragão and win that game. You need to go to Alvalade and impose yourself and let them know that, bro, Benfica's here, we're back. We're not going to be pushovers, and we mean business. And I think that attitude, right, will just trickle down from the coaching staff to the players, to the to to the fans, to the supporters, and I think um, that could just push Benfica On to, to to returning to where they belong.
0: Yeah, you know the one thing is is whenever you do decide, like let's say you decide to bring in five or six good players to make a difference. Is you know three years ago the financial accounting sheets at Benfica, thanks to the Joan Felix deal, was very good, and that's why they had that big summer when they made all those moves. But Benfica since then, I think their most recent financial report wasn't very good. I mean, they weren't in the red, but, um, you know, wasn't very good. And I just don't know how much money they have. And then the other thing about Benfica right now,
1: John, you off real quick. but it's OK because they got another lotto ticket in Darwin this season. So,
0: right. They have Darwin. But I mean, yeah, that's a point that probably I go for 130, 129, but he's going to go for a lot. What do you think? Let me ask you a question. You, if he leaves,
1: where do you think he's got this best chance to go? Where would he be a good fit?
0: You think it's Premier League? You think it's maybe Spain?
1: I, I think Premier League will suit him. But I think, you know, believe it or not, <laughs> I, I think go back, to, go back to the Honeywell, right? Atletico Madrid. Mm. Got a Cholo Simeone, Argentinian background. He's Uruguayo. He'll, you know, the language barrier. Obviously, there's no barrier there, right? Spanish is Spanish. Uh, Castellano and, and Uruguay was the same thing, whatever. They could all understand one another. I think it'll be easier for them to adapt in Spain than it will in, in in England. And look, they've shown before that they got deep pockets. Why not do it again? Yeah, I just
0: don't see... Atletico Madrid for the second time in, I don't know, what is it, four years, giving the same club another $100 million?
1: You just asked me where I think he fits best. Yeah. I'm just telling you. I think... Yeah, no, is, I agree with not you, but go, I just think it makes the most sense. Look, go there, go to Atletico Madrid with Cholo Simeone, right? And, and a lot of you know South American players on that team as well, right? Uh, or, go play in Newcastle. Where do you think is going to adapt quicker? Where do you think makes... We're talking about in terms of what's best for the player. Right. Is it go to Newcastle or is it go to a place where the language is the same, the culture is the same, teammates are the same. You know what I mean? I think I think that's a home run. Now, do I say, do I think they're gonna ultimately win win the sweepstakes? No, John, you're probably right. But look, they're going to sell players. I think Joan Felix, there'll be teams coming back for him. I know Barcelona made a bid for him in, in, in the January transfer window. They'll come back if they get the right offer. They might very well let Juwan go and use some of them funds to come and get Darwin. Yeah, the other thing also
0: about Benfica is like you know when you talk about Darwin, um, Benfica's always had a number of players that they know they could sell right away and make forty to fifty million. I mean, after Darwin, um, you know, I mean, what, I mean, I don't know about Gonzalo Ramos. I, I don't know yet if he's
1: Grimaldo sold already. It's done. He's gone. That there's an so how, what are they
0: gonna what 10 million 15 million for him?
1: I don't, I, I that's the one thing I didn't get, but I'm assuming 15 to 20, which is not a lot to you and I. It's a lot in the world of football, it's not a lot, but 15 to 20 mil. That's been that's been agreed to. He's gone, he's he's leaving. It's it's not public, but I'm telling you here, it's done. Um, was it Italy's where are you going, or is he going Spain. back to Spain? Spain, 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 is he going back to his former club? Uh, I don't know. He's going He's going to Spain. I remember already telling you he's going to Spain. <laughs> uh, no, no. Yeah, I, I got you. I got yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, I was just
0: thinking of, I was trying to be for, you know, for Beto Roman. I was trying to like get you to, yeah. to kind of spill the
1: beans. What but else? Uh, I mean, Darwin. I mean, Darwin, we said Darwin already. Uh, vigo they could get 20, 20. I mean, I'm not sure they'll sell them, but that's a player that they could turn around and sell. Vlacodemos yes, you could get 10, 15 mil from him. Again, not big bucks, but the injection of the ch- some of this Champions League money that's come in, right? Um, And then you throw another 80 on top for Darwin. I think Bifika, if if they're smart and doing like they did two years ago, right, because obviously two years, they spent a boatload of money. And with the exception of Darwin, I mean, Gilberto, he's been the second best uh, uh, purchase from that, and he was only 1.5. Um, Everton's been absolute disappointment. Um, Yarmchuk, 17 mil has been a disappointment, but I think Yarmchuk was the year after anyway, but going back to that one year. So it's 25 for Darwin, 20, whatever, 27, 23 for Everton. There was 18 million for Pedrinho, but he's gone already. And they, they recouped that money back. Um, 15 mil for Otamendi, who's been good. Who's been good. You know, um, he's got the Rasa that Benfica needs more. Yeah. He's got that Rasa. Um, who else? Have, I mean, we spent so much money. I don't even recall who the hell Benfica spent money on, to be honest with you. Yeah, they got a lot of players that just have not Like, what's has been? I don't even know why we got it. I think that's, that's the biggest trick that sporting has been able to pull is not re-sign him, find a way somehow to get Benfica to commit to him <laughs> when they didn't even need him because the kid Noons at this point of his career is a, a much better player. João Mari doesn't have a spot on this year's team. And I don't, I don't believe he'll have a spot on next year's team. High paced, um, tons of pressure, moving the ball quickly. He's not going to fit uh, Roger Schmidt's system. So it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens here in the offseason.
0: You know, it's funny, João Mario at the very beginning with Benfica did very well. I remember the Capas had him on the cover. Oh, look at this. It's working out. And they asked Ruben Amorim once, well, you know, what do you think about what's going on? And his answer was, you know, I'm worried about what I have here in Alcacheta. I'm not thinking about that. But uh, he's kind of, uh, you know, disappeared. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it goes. But uh, yeah, because the other thing also about Benfica is, you know, in order to make changes, you need to make money. But I think where Benfica has also kind of fallen off, though not necessarily with Darwin, is, you know, you look at sporting. There's so much money to be made there selling those players. Porto's got some really good young players that are going to make them a lot of money. But we just had a conversation about Benfica, and, you know, there's some young kids that are coming up, but it's not the same thing like the other two teams, you know? It's just there's not that excitement about the younger players. Uh, We talked about one player the last time I had you here. At the time, he was on loan at uh, Bayern, um, but I, I just don't know if he would ever come back to Benfica. Tiago Dantas, he hasn't, uh, he's, you know, let's be honest, you, he hasn't worked out. I remember me and you talked about him,
1: but he hasn't. Uh, I could have sworn somebody, somebody you know, was, was pretty outspoken on social media uh, saying that, you know, that kid was nothing to write home about. But what are you going
0: to do? It's tried right. you. I know you said you weren't. Yeah, no, I,
1: that's why, that's why I, said, I got a lot of criticism at the time, but I'm, I'm accustomed to it.
0: Bring it on. That's why I said at the beginning, right? you know, your opinions, you got some really good stuff and that's what I was trying to uh, bring out. And I think, you know, I think I did, but uh, yeah. But like I said, we're curious to see what's going to happen with Benfica. I mean, the hard part now about being a Benfica fan is although you still got Liverpool and right now, I don't think there's a lot of hope, but let's be honest with you when, uh, you know, when the, Next week comes, everyone's going to be ready and they're going to look forward to watching the game and there's going to be that excitement, you know. But, I mean, what do you do now if you're a Benfica fan? You have six matches left. You're pretty much going to finish in third. I mean, what else
1: do you get? What else is there to be excited you, about? Well, 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 in the league, you want to play spoiler. Right. right. You want to play spoiler. Uh, but at the same time, if you beat Sporting, you pretty much hand the title to Porto. Right. So, you know, you, you screwed either way. But I, I, I think a lot of these players, if I'm a player in this locker room and I'm not a Darwin or Weigel or Tamendi, I'm not one of those players, I'm doing everything I can to sell myself. And I don't mean sell myself in terms of getting out of my feet, but sell myself to whomever the possible next coach is, right? Whether it be Roger Smith, whether it be Pep Guardiola, whomever. The next coach, because I want to show them guys, and I want to show Rui Costa and everybody that makes decisions on this club that, yo, you could count on me. I have a spot on this team, and yo, know, don't look to get rid of me. So, uh, players themselves they have a lot to look forward to. As fans, look let us be realistic. We all expected Benfica to to come, you know. I don't think many people expected Benfica to come away from starting to lose on Tuesday with a victory against uh Bayern, against uh Liver uh, Liverpool, right? But I think Benfica played a a decent game. I think Benfica had their chances. There's a maybe, maybe not penalty call in the game that could have tied things up at two. Even after that, Benfica never you know gave up. They still came forward. They still caused a couple of. Of decent scoring opportunities and all that, John, to be brutally honest, and any Benfica that's listening to this, you know, tell me a player of Benfica that played good. We did all that. We actually, for for 15-20 minutes, we caused an amount, you know, tremendous amount of danger on the Liverpool goal because they give you they give you tons of space to play. You just have to convert. And so we did all that with. Nobody. I mean, even Darwin, right? I know people are like, oh, Darwin comes to play, and I don't disagree. But even Darwin didn't have a particularly good game by, any, by his standards. You know, he scored a goal. Canute, maybe a little bit to do with that, right? If that's Van Dyke, he probably clears it. Uh, but, you know, he still kept his composure. He kept his, his concentration. He was able to, 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 to make the most of it. He was able to tuck the ball on the opposite post. But Benfica created more in that game more chances than i ever anticipated going in so they gave you a little bit of hope i think at the end of the day i know Dimas made a bunch of saves but at the end of the day you left that game disappointed at 3-1 you 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 figured 2-1 was probably the more fair score with an opportunity not to go into anfield right and do what benfica did in 2006 which is Shocked the world. And at the time, Benfica, Mikoli, and, and Simon Sabrosa scored the two goals. Simon Sabrosa, f- f- phenomenal, phenomenal outside the box. And then Mikoli was just a, a magical goal um, towards the end of the game to, to seal the 2 0 victory. But at the time, Liverpool were Champions League defending champions. They had just come, you know, they were coming off of lifting the trophy. And nobody expected Benfica to do so. And I get it today. I th- I believe, even though they were defending champions at that time, this team might actually be stronger than that team at that time. It's going to be a tall task, but I think Benfica showed the world that, you know, with a little bit better game, some of these players show up to this game that maybe it's not going to be a cakewalk. But at the same time, we could turn around. If we play the same exact way we played on Tuesday, probably leave Enfield 5-0 down, you know, uh, 5-0 defeat. But I don't think anybody's particularly, I don't think, you know, Grimaldo was so concentrated, right, on, on keeping Mo Salo off the score sheet. He wasn't really going up and down the wings, so it's, he was out of it. The was out of it. Rafa, in these big games, he disappears. Gossard rums yeah, I know he ran a lot, but did he play? Did he even touch the ball in the offensive third? I don't remember, right? Gilberto, you're not really going to get much from him offensively. You know, Darwin, you got a little something-something, but there was, I don't think anybody played well going forward. And... They still were able to cause some danger, so that gave you a little bit of of hope, a little bit of excitement. And obviously, then that third goal by Diaz that that kind of deflated, uh, you know, the stadium. But again, you never know, man. Look, it's eleven b eleven, and and odds are that Benfica is going to go there and lose. But at the same time, I think Benfica proved that, you know, that they could play with these guys. And I was shocked because, uh, as I stated before, I don't I don't think this is the strongest Benfica team. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but Liverpool does give you a lot of space. They do, and you just have to capitalize. You have to convert on the opportunities that you have, and if you do so, you'll put them guys against the against the ropes. Um, the pressure is all on Liverpool. But if you guys nothing to lose going into this game, absolutely nothing. Yeah, they're gonna be playing for
0: pride, and if yeah. they can walk away with a draw, it would be you know, because uh, who's to say Liverpool? I mean. Um, I mean, Liverpool might take it easy with their 11 and it might give Benfica a chance. So, and not to mention, I believe if you do win, even at this stage, you still make a little bit more money. Whereas if you lost, you lose. I, I, I'm i not sure. I know you get money for advancing, but I also think if you draw victory, and win.
1: Yes, for victory yeah. draws, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So they're
0: still going to be, uh, you know, playing for it. But yeah, it's also tough for me, man. You know, um, the way Liverpool came into Porto and uh, beat them up. And um, I don't know. I just don't remember... You know, when we talk about me and you, you know, this is one thing we have in common. You know, we could talk about, you know, the football from 20 years ago. You know, I mean, we, you know, we remember things back then. I mean, there were some bad games, you know, and we won't get into Celta Vigo with you. On,
1: man, but, I, uh, I that, bro.
0: <laughs> but um, by the way, if people don't know what that what we're talking you just, about. You don't, have go.
1: you don't have to go. to So you just go to Basel. Basel. Yeah. Basel, Basel, whatever. Oh, Basel was another one. Yeah, that was recently. That That's not 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, no, but the point is, is I don't remember 20 years ago, Portuguese clubs catching some of the ugly losses like they've been catching in the last five to 10 years. Uh, I always remember, you know, if they did lose to somebody. I, I know Sporting a few times lost badly to Bayern Munich, Bayern but, Munich yeah. but it just never was like... Like that man City sporting a few weeks ago. I mean, that was that first half. I mean it was a practice. Oh, you mean man. the first game? Yeah, the, the first game in Al was was, yeah, it was like
1: was a practice affair for 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 City. They didn't even yeah. they didn't even try to come out.
0: But my, my point is, is I just feel like yeah, we might have so many better younger players in this generation in the last 10 years. I also feel like 20 years ago, our clubs, even if we didn't advance and we were eliminated, it was never we never lost this ugly, is what it's I'm trying the to gap. say.
1: The gap is greater now, money wise. The gap is right. so great. It, 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 and look, I think I know for sure the EPL um, is implementing this. I'm not sure UEFA is, but it's something that I might have spoken to you about all fair a while ago. But I've been saying this um, for a long time because this this actually happens having Figo all the time, and it's just I just scratch my head. But they're implementing a rule where you can only have you can only register 40 players in the EPL. And then eventually I think they want to get it down to 33 or 36 over the next couple of years. Right. And I don't know if that starts next season or not, but I've been, you know, Benfica (laughs) years past would have 120 professional. And so why do I mention that? Because if FIFA or UEFA does implement that rule, right. With Chelsea, I like 80 players on the roster. They're the one team in England with the most players. Right. So now if you put this cap on teams, you know, for play, there will be a lot more players left over for the other teams. You get what I right. see? Now a decent player that would normally come to Benfica in Porto and would make in Sporting and make these guys tougher to play with in European competitions. Now the Chelsea's of the world, they swap them up. They'll send them all on to Vitesse or they'll just keep them on their roster, never play them. By they're doing what the Portuguese teams with Benfica, you know, to to be honest, what Benfica's done in the Portuguese league, which is weaken our our adversaries by signing their players, right, taking away their players, you're weakening them even though you have no intentions of ever using these guys in our club. And we're sending them out on loan to Poland, to whatever, we're putting them on whatever team we want to do. Look, You know, every year, you'd see Luis Livieta in the same corny blazer, taking a you know a picture with Salvador Agra or Patrick Vieira from, from from Maritimo, if you recall. Players that you knew there was no way in hell those guys were ever going to put on a Benfica shirt in an official game. But you were doing two things. You're keeping them away from Porto Sporting. You're weakening your adversaries, right? And, you know, you're probably signing these guys on a free and, and, and you know, coming up with some BS Deal with the club in some foreign country for 800,000. So you're making a couple of bucks uh, in return. But what happens is those Patrick Vieira, Savalora, those guys, instead of going to a Braga, who's on the cusp of competing with the big boys, right? Now, Befica just took those guys out of the market. And this is happening in European football. The Bayern Munich of the world can sign 50 players, you know, and and just take them off the market. Same thing with Madrid. Barcelona, all these teams with big money. So what happens is a lot of these players that are sitting at the end of Manchester United's bench, at the end of Barcelona's bench, right? These guys would probably be, you know, rather be playing at Befica Porto Sporting in Champions League. But the money's not even close. It's not even comparable. Yeah. So they just want to go set the bench somewhere else. So I think a lot of, you know, the reason why Portuguese teams are getting slapped around now, unlike they did this, because the money is greater and these other big sharks, these big clubs are able to, to keep those players that they're never really going to play on their team, but, you know, they're still nice players. And I tell people all the time just because you don't start at Barcelona or Real Madrid, right? Doesn't mean you're a bad player. Doesn't mean you can't come to Porto, Benfica, Sporting, and start with your eyes closed. But some some Portuguese fans they tend to have this idea in their head, you know. Oh, the guy doesn't even play at Barcelona. Makes you think he plays at Benfica. Like Jesus Christ! I mean, right, there's levels to this, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, uh, it just
0: uh, it's just, uh, like I said, watching that sporting game um, in Alvalade was that first half. I mean, I know it's funny. I think Liverpool scored a goal that was similar to a Manchester City there where the guy sent in a cross, the guy got the ball, gave it to somebody else, and they scored. It was, like, so easy. Like, it
1: was just, it was like watching when uh, ideas when he crossed it. He just got yeah. back to the other it's just, side. It was, just it's it was
0: just too easy. It was just too easy. It's just, uh, but you know me, I'm very passionate. About Portugal as a whole, and I never want to see the teams, but it just feels like in the old days, you know, when you were talking about the managers in the old days, you know, a, a sven and Everickson was at Benfica. Um, back in the day, um, they would get those type of managers, you know, Porto, Bobby Robson, uh-huh. you know, Um but, yeah, it's just back then. And now you're not going to get managers that are you know going to like do that. And, hell, you have Portuguese managers like Paulo Fonseca and Leonardo Jardim who probably would have a chance to manage a big three, but they don't want to come back to Portugal yet. Vila's Boish too. And uh, money is a big factor. What I hope does change with Portugal is the fact that they are looking to centralize the TV rights. And hopefully by doing that and creating this company that's going to sell the TV rights, hopefully that's going to bring more money into the uh, game and I like the idea of them reducing the rosters because, um, you know, if, the, if there's a chance to have if, – if, if these big clubs don't have so many of these players, then it filters down to the other clubs, and maybe you'll have – you know, this is what happened. Another analogy, Chris, maybe some of our people in the audience won't recognize, but NCAA college basketball, they have – I they put in a limit a few years ago for how many people can get a scholarship. Uh So now a lot of these schools that would have all these great big amount of players on their roster, they don't have them anymore. what's happening. Some of those kids now are going to smaller schools like St. Peter's and they're playing, you know, and that's, and, but that's not happening in the football. And, um, you know, let me ask you another question, because again, this happened after we, uh, we last met and uh, the super league, uh, I didn't get a chance to hear you. I, mean, uh, was, was, I mean, was I mean, was that the craziest thing you ever heard of? Do you think it was just poorly planned? And then, and I'll be honest, you—it's gonna come back in some form very soon.
1: I think it's it was going poorly back. planned, but I like it. Yeah, I like, uh-huh. it. I like it. I mean, call it what you want to call it. The Champions League UEFA is a super league. They just give you a couple bells and whistles to try to trick you. They they run these things, they're they're favoring the big boys, and at the end of the day, it comes down to money. UFO yeah. is just butthurt because somebody else is gonna make all the money. But I like it at the end of the day. I like I didn't like the way they planned that I didn't like the, the no relegation or whatever. I thought that, that you could adapt a promotion and relegation within a country. So you have Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid in that super league, right? As an example. And Atletico comes in fourth place in the league. Madrid in seventh, and Barcelona in tenth. Well, Barcelona was the lowest of the three Spanish teams. They get relegated. They go back to playing La Liga, and the La Liga champion comes in. And then you do the same thing in Germany and Portugal and, 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 and England. You know what I'm saying? And I think that at least some fans might have been okay with the promotion. Right? Because that... Big old boys club of you know you're always going to have a spot here. I think that rubbed people the wrong way, but at the same time, Benfica hasn't played Real Madrid in an official game in God knows how long. I don't even remember. Okay, yeah, it's been a long time. Why shouldn't we get Benfica Real Madrid? And I know a lot of people around the world are like who cares about, it? but as Benficas, why shouldn't Man United play Real Madrid every year? Why shouldn't AC Milan play? You know. Barcelona every year. Like those are the games that we all want to see. Yeah. I mean, the look, the NBA is a closed league, right? And it's the most successful NBA league in the world. So I think there's, just, there's room for it. I'm not against it. It just has to be better playing. Yeah,
0: I remember when it happened. What was interesting is in England, they were obviously very upset about it, but they weren't upset as much about it in Spain. I don't know if a lot of the Spanish fans, and I don't even remember the Italian fans going up in arms about it. It was really more of a German, I mean, French.
1: The, the English, it didn't make no sense because they are in the Super League in itself when it comes to finances.
0: Right, they have the most money, the biggest they league they money
1: left and right. Yeah. I, I get the other teams. You know, Barcelona and Real Madrid are making money, tremendous amount of money compared to everybody else. I think that's why everybody in the league didn't care because they do have that revenue share, that centralized TV plan, with the exception of Barcelona and Real Madrid. They got their own individual TV plans. So I think everybody else in the country is like, whatever, we're not making any less or any more because they're already doing their own thing. So you leave, who cares? I mean, it, it might come off the wrong way, and I get it, you're not accustomed to it, but I just think that, UEFA is now, you know, how do I put it? When you, when people said that the Super League was, you know, was put together based, you know, out of greed, right? Out of money. It's driven by money. I think UEFA Champions League is driven by money right now. It all is. They just give you the farcical that some team in Red Star Belgrade can qualify, but it's okay. They qualify, and they get annihilated, and they never even... Bro, just because Benfica, Porto, and Sporting can partake in the Champions League, and I know Benfica this year and Porto last year in the quarterfinal, realistically, they have no chance. They have no realistic chance of of ever winning this competition. And the only reason why Benfica is is because we got drawn up against Ajax because if they held up the draw against Real Madrid, right? (laughs) we probably wouldn't have been here right
0: yeah well that's
1: so so like oh yeah we can play in the champions league but as you just said portuguese teams go go back and look at it year after year it just can't work and here's the thing john i talked about this on the benfica podcast not long ago it's not just benfica porto and sporting that are becoming weak you look at the but you look at the rest of the Portuguese league. The quality throughout the league is not the same. A lot of these guys that can play in the Portuguese league are leaving the Qatar and yeah, and, Middle like, East. Like, yeah, they're not taking money. Like right? the league, even it's even the league itself is becoming thinner and thinner in talent. Yeah,
0: I mean Santa has lost a few people to the Middle East. The manager, they lost uh was that Junior? They're gonna lose another player, Ramos, the kid who was at Orlando City. Yep. I think he's going
1: to Brazil. Yeah. Losing when I think he's going to Liverpool. He's already has a pre-agreement to go to Liverpool. Lincoln will most likely wind up at Benfica. But just the the caliber of play. You had guys jumping the Portuguese League coming to the MLS because money's guaranteed. You don't have to chase clubs to get paid every every two weeks. Yeah, I interviewed last year uh, Pedro Santos, who plays for Columbus. I think uh-huh. he's
0: actually beginning – he might be beginning his sixth year yeah, with Columbus, five, which, by the way, is a long time. Yeah, it is. Think it's about it. It's a very long time. And uh, I remember talking to him, and I also interviewed um, – I'm not really sure where he is now, but it was actually – he brought it up, too. Um, last year at this time, I also interviewed Mark Dos Santos, who is the manager home. of Vancouver. Uh, in
1: Portugal, babies.
0: That's right. Yeah, we did – yeah, but one time after a Red Bull game, we met him, and Chris was talking to Mark dos Santos, and I remember you both looked at each other. Yeah, hey, we're from like the little, uh, littlest town. But yeah, um, he even said that um, what makes a big difference a lot of times with MLS is, um, and why a Portuguese player would be interested is because, you know, every two weeks, you're getting your money in your direct deposit. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's coming. You never hear of an MLS team, at least that I know of, ever fail to pay... Um, a player like you know, I mean, because if you did, it would you know that's something the league can't afford. Well, there's
1: stuff yeah. going on now. There's 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 lawsuits going back, but that's because players have left. But that's that's right. you are talking bad.
0: about player rights and Out all that. Now. You're talking about that, right?
1: Yeah. As as we're talking, there's there's some stuff going on with players that have left, and they're saying they didn't get paid, but the the team saying they pay. But as far as what you're saying, the, the In Portugal, they get paid monthly anyway, but these guys here, they get paid every two weeks. And I speak to a lot of players, John, as you know, and they tell me all the time, bro, the one thing about coming to the MLS, and I don't want to make this about the MLS, but the facilities of every single franchise in the MLS is better than every team in Portugal, with the exception of Benfica. And that's not even a guarantee now. Some teams, the new teams, already have facilities better than what Benfica does. So the players, they come to quality facilities, even the stadium, the smallest stadium in MLS, even the conditions, the quality stadium is much greater than going out to, you know, the smaller clubs in Portugal. I don't want to name one because people get offended, but the smaller clubs, as we know, the conditions, everything. It's just, it's, it's first class yeah, it's bigger. all the way through. Now the quality of the league is not up there. And so that turns a couple of people off, but financially at the end of the day, the player that's going to leave the Portuguese league to come to the MLS. It's not a player that's going to be, you know, highly sought by the big boys in European football. So that player at the end of the day, he's like, I'm most likely, I ain't fighting for no ballon d'or, I ain't fighting for no champions leagues. I ain't fight. You know what I mean? I ain't fighting for no World Cup, bros. At the end of the day, I'm fighting for my family and I want to get paid. And so they come to the MLS.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree with you. And, and um, like I said, the Liga as a whole is just not the same that I remember it from many years ago. It, it's just not the same. And uh, hopefully the centralization of this TV rights will bring more money into the Liga, which might enable them to keep many of these players a little bit longer. I mean, like Gilles Vicente. Gilles Vicente now is a great yeah, team. A year, year. What's going to happen in August? If they're playing in the Europa Conference League, is it going to so be, it be the was same team
1: it Was it for Malikon a couple years? of years? Yeah, I think it was... Yeah, Fomelicon. Was it Pastor de Ferreira? Maybe I'm trying to remember. No, was he there? No, Fomelicon. They had all the players on loan from Valencia, and And then they left, and they all left, and now they're back to fighting for promote for revenue.
0: But yeah, 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 it's just uh, it's just not the same league. Uh, First off, I want to ask you. I'm I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Portuguese football needs needs to be revamped. They need someone that has a freaking clue to come in and run this, like we're in 2022, bro. Not not in you know 1989. It's just everything they do in that league is laughable. Somebody needs to take the bull by the horns and say, look, I don't care who I offend, Porto, Benfica, Sporting. I could care less. We need to do what's best for the overall of the league rather than what's best for one individual club and being run by somebody here, somebody. No, they need to put the league first before any club. And until they do that, it's going to continue being a shit show.
0: Yeah, folks, uh, well, Chris, I got one more question for you. I want to thank you for coming on. Give Chris a follow on uh, Twitter at 10CO10. He is uh, one of the three duo on the uh, Benfica podcast. And um, again, had him on tonight because I wanted to get things from the Portuguese perspective. Uh, let me actually just ask you, if you don't mind, two questions, actually, very quickly. Number one, where does JJ go next? What's this future?
1: Oh, you don't want me to tell you. <laughs> I just wonder, hey, like, uh, I, I think. George Jesus, here's how he goes. I think Sergio Conceição. You think he's, yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. Sergio yeah. Conceição goes to Lazio. All right. Right. He it. loves Italy. He's, he goes to he even vacations in Italy. Yeah. They love him. They love him at Lazio. He's in there, you know, they even have him in their museum. Um, I think Conceição leaves and George Jesus is the new coach of Fisippe.
0: I, I'll be honest with you. Like some people might be listening to that right now and are shaking their head in disbelief. But you know what? If you've been following this a long time, and by the way, he's very good friends with Pinto da Costa. Pinto da Costa has been very complimentary about him.
1: He's, and he's, and, he said uh, that throughout, even his first spell at Benfica, he always spoke highly of Pinto da Costa. He said yeah. we're very good friends. And then, he, even when he left Benfica and in, in, in Sporting, I should say, he's out in the Middle East and in Brazil, he always talked about coaching the big three. And right now, let's 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 be realistic, let's be honest. There aren't you know, unless we don't know of, but there aren't many European teams for one reason or another chasing his tail right now. Yeah, well, better than Sporto. you're in Portugal, apparently loves Portugal very much. Um, you're in Portugal, you're gonna be playing the Champions League. You get to you know dig back at Benfica and Sport, your two previous clubs in Portugal. I think for him it makes all the sense in the world, but that's where I think he winds up, Joel.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, you heard it first here, folks. That if uh, JJ decides, um, you know, to continue managing, it's going to probably be Porto next. So you heard it here. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you: thumbs up or thumbs down? Um, you don't have to go into it too much. And that's um, so there was a story about a week ago. It actually came out while the Seleção was doing qualifiers that they said that the Taça da Liga is going to probably do their group stages during the World Cup. And it makes sense because the way there's – I don't know in Portugal if it's a five-hour time difference from Qatar, but by the time you get to 7, 8 o'clock at night, there's no live football being played. So you might as well go ahead and do something in Portugal because you have that opening at night. Um, do you like thumbs up, thumbs down? you like the idea of having the League Cup, or as you call it, the Tasa da Sevilla going on during the World Cup groups? Or do you think it just should be – Yeah, thumbs down, right. I
1: actually like the idea, believe it or not. Thumbs down because that shows you're a Mickey Mouse league. Okay? It's the World Cup. It's a break. You act like a big boy league and you don't play any competition. You play competition when a club has all their best players at their disposal. That's how you keep competitive balance. That's how it's fair for teams. I just, To me, that's a sign of Mickey Mouse, that you're not a real league. Yeah. I, I hate it. I hate it when it happens here in the MLS, John. We get to, to cover, you know, whatever. You work in different department, but whatever. I get to cover the, 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 you know, the New York Red Bulls. And I've been in, in the post-games and even, you know, uh, sometimes some press conference, pre-game press conferences where we just shake our heads. We don't understand how the MLS goes through with games during international breaks. And that always bothers me because when you are one of the better teams in the MLS... And you're losing four, five, six guys. Because, you know, remember, they have a lot of South American guys, Panama, stuff, whatever. But they're losing five, six, seven key players from their main roster. And now you lose that game. And at the end of the year, you either miss the playoffs by a couple of points or in worst case scenario, you get fired because you did not win those games. Is that fair when you're missing one third of your roster? Right. not fair. And it goes the same here. Porto, Vefica, Sporting, they're going to have players they're going to take part in the World Cup, right? They're not going to be available. Now, you should, you know, I know you could sit here and tell me, Chris, it, it should be good enough to beat Sporting Covilhã for Benfica, right? But maybe it is, maybe it's not. At the end of the day, you know, I believe that every team should have all their players available, unless obviously they're suspended or, or injured. But I don't like that. I don't like that from the league. Yeah, well, that's,
0: uh, that's the talk. Um, folks, um, first off, Chris, thank you so much. Again, follow Cristiano on Twitter at 10COTEM. I like to call him the original, the original Cristiano. And uh, again, always respect uh, your opinion. And um, I know it's been a rough few months for you, but uh, this summer there'll be changes. There'll be this new manager. And then, um, you know, there'll be hope. Hope will come back. But And, uh, you know, the one good thing about Benfica playing in the playoffs is that if you go to Portugal at the end of July, early August, you've got real football
1: because mm-hmm. they're going
0: to be playing in the playoffs. Exactly. Um and um you know that's somewhat good news if you decide to go, but um, um yeah, listen, Chris, thank you so much for your opinion. Um I know you got a lot going on, so I really appreciate it. Um again, my interview here with uh, Cristiano Oliveira talking about all things uh, Benfica again, you can listen to PortugueseSoccer.com uh on all the platforms, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Uh, we're probably going to be pretty soon putting it on more platforms. So I want to thank everyone for listening. The numbers again, the month of March was by best month ever and looking to continue to uh, build on it. And I want to say thank you, Chris. Thank you
1: so much for your time, buddy. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for, for the invite. And uh, anytime, anytime you need me to come on here and, uh, you know, kill a few minutes with you always be available. Yeah, let me end it by saying Atlético dos Arcos, the team I support in
0: Portugal in the districts, first place in the promotion division of the Viano do Castelo. Big win last weekend against Valenciano to open up a seven-point lead against the third place team. Top two automatically go to the Taça de Portugal next year. But first place, they only have one team out of like 10 that make that get promoted. Uh, big game this uh, weekend against the team. I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm not going to pronounce them. So uh, a big week. Hey, Chris, what's your favorite small team in Portugal? Is it Cafania?
1: Here's what I got to say. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's to your boy, Arcus. Great job by you. a uh, big
0: game uh, this weekend against, I think it's Cardinal Nance. I probably didn't say that right. But uh, again, good luck to the boys this weekend. Chris, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be talking again real soon, uh, especially during the summer when uh, hopefully the new Benfica takes shape.
1: Keep up the good work, John.
0: All right, man. Thank you. Ciao, everybody.